Welcome into 11 Personnel, a victory episode of the podcast. I'm Nick Roush with Adam Luggan. This week we are brought to you by our good friends at Eckrich. Eckrich Smoke Sausage, the best out there. And they're doing what they can to help teachers. They're proud to present the $1 million challenge for teachers. That's right. This 2022 college football season, Eckrich is partnering with Extra Yard for Teachers and Kroger. They're going to invite a local teacher onto the field at South Carolina versus Kentucky game on October 8th. These lucky teachers will be randomly selected from a list of nominations to throw a football through a target to win up to a million bucks. All right. And this isn't um, like the contest they have right now, Lucky, where you got to kick it 60 yards to win anything. It's a very winnable target to win 1 million in donations to fund local classroom projects, um, especially for our folks in Eastern Kentucky, where I know they're dealing with a lot of difficult things, Eastern and Western, uh, particularly the schools. Nominate your teacher for a chance to throw. Go to Eckrich.com. Find the link under the football tab. Nominate your teacher by September 28th. And also just enjoy Eckrich smoked sausage. Like it, you get a little Eckrich smoked sausage, spicy mustard with uh, some sauerkraut on it. That that hits the spot right there. That's that's the perfect little morning tailgate entree Ooh. for the game. Couple Ooh. cold beers, 10:30 a.m. Breakfast sausage. Breakfast sausage. Well, it just you know, you don't even need that. Just throw the sauerkraut and the smoked sausage like you're saying and go to town. Ooh, my mom also does this thing where she'll get some Eckrich smoked sausage. She'll cut it up. Um, put it in the uh, the 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 like tin foil with um, some chopped onions, uh, cabbage, and uh, potatoes. Let that thing slow cook, and it is just mwah. it's a great Sunday meal uh, for when you're watching NFL games. It's also great for tailgating, and it's I would I like Eckrich smoked sausage more, but I also enjoy smoked and fried gator. Uh, Lucky, what was your favorite celebration from over the weekend? Because there was a lot of different ways these Kentucky Wildcats have celebrated that victory over Florida. Man, I got a video of Tayshawn Manning dancing on the sideline, and it is I've watched it at least 15 times since Saturday <laughs> night. That was that was fun, being on the field and getting to kind of take all of that in with the fans and seeing the Florida fans watch, watch celebrate and all the Kentucky players having a damn old good time. There, uh, that was that was just that was pretty sweet, man. Like that is that is a Gator tears when Gators think they're good are the best tears. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Like that was oh. pretty sweet. Um, from they also thought they could win too, right? Like up. That's until what, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying here. Like they were that pumped, and then I had some like fa- some family at the game sitting in kind of UK section, and apparently Florida student section is like right next to them. Yeah, yeah. So that, that number one, like. You're just asking for trouble, Florida. Like you all, I, I would recommend fixing that. Okay, um, the waste section at Carter Field is nowhere near the student section. The waste section at most of these places, I don't think is. Uh, it's at South Carolina. It's on the other end from their student section. Yeah. Like, all right, you're asking for trouble there. So, um, <laughs> uh, some older Kentucky um, gentlemen and women were having a good time with the college kids at, at the, in the late fourth quarter. It's what, what well, my sources tell me. The so that kids- had to be really, really fun for those guys. For those. Uh, guys and ladies in attendance. I thought they would have left earlier too. Like there was, I was trying to fight to get to the front row. They wouldn't let me on the field. I didn't have the right pass. Lucky, kind of got lucky that Florida messed up. <laughs> I had um, to pull some strings to get into the swamp. I thought I thought I was going to leave you solo, and I was just going to go to the game at one point. I really thought that was what was going to happen. Maybe I meet up with you afterwards. 
But I ended up fighting down to the front row to see Will Levis hopping in the stands. That was cool. J.J. Weaver in the stands was cool. Uh, Watching Cavassier smoke, like, do the gator chomp, like, high-stepping down the – oh, so funny. But one of the best celebrations was actually back in Lexington. It's it's a one of the uh, it will go down in history among the great Vito Tisdale deleted tweets. Can my ass that boy straight hot dog water? <laughs> Vito's got he's got the tweet game strong, strong Twitter game um, for the guys oh, from Bowling Green. I mean, Eckrich water great, hot dog water <laughs> hilarious, and also just the notion of calling somebody hot dog water. It's so damn funny. I don't know what it is. Because, like, women's lot people haven't been boiling hot dogs in water since the 90s, right? Like, that that's a that's a very much a thing we did. Like, my grandmother did when we were kids and she was watching all of us. That was, like, an easy lunchtime thing. Nobody's boiling hot dogs anymore. Oh, man. But you know what? Anthony Richardson, straight hot dog water. Um, we, we've talked a lot over a variety of platforms about how Kentucky won this, the plays that went into it. I'm curious, like it from a big picture standpoint, when watching the film, what are some of the things that give you more confidence about what this team can do uh, down the road? Do you want to start offense or defense here? Um, let's start with defense because that feels like the low hanging fruit. Yeah, the, I mean the past defense might be electric. Um, that is, that is one thing that I, that surprised me early. I thought Carrington Valentine was really good in this game, Nick. Um, Keedron Smith uh, missed too many tackles, but I think his length was a big deal in his own coverage, and he made a great play on the interception pick six. Right. Tyrell Asian was very, very good as kind of the deep post safety. And then Jalen Geiger was really good early in the game. Then you lose him, but I thought – they almost didn't really miss a beat with Jordan Lovett. I thought he was excellent in the game. So the pass defense is number one, and this is coming off like Kentucky were sending extra guys. They want they heated up Richardson more than they will do traditionally against a quarterback they fear can light them up. I think you saw early like Kentucky did not fear him as a passer, uh, and that was the right play. So we're going to see less of what they did in more traditional pass rush as we move on and as Kentucky faces some better uh, throwers within structure. Um, but the pass defense just – it looks great. And I thought it was very good against Miami, Ohio. Like, Brett Gabbert is a good quarterback, and they kind of had their way with the Red Hawks there week one. I just think the pass defense looks much improved. I'm still TBD on the pass rush because we didn't really see it against Miami, Ohio. And this week was different just because they're bringing extra guys. They wanted to heat up Richardson. Um, they're so focused on stopping the run with Florida. But overall, I just think that and just the football IQ intelligence of this group, I think it's really off the charts. It just That's what happens, though, when you get all these super seniors they got. You add Keedron Smith, who's played a boatload of games at Ole Miss in the SEC. DeAndre Square has played a ton. Gordon Wright has played a ton. Tyrell Asian has played a ton. Like They just got guys out here who have played a lot of snaps in some big moments. And then the last thing is Weaver and Wright together yeah. can be a special combo. I mean, it's just you get everything you want in a four-two-five base, but you can play three-four with those two. You can you can get big and stout at the line of scrimmage. You can get five-man mug fronts up front with them on the edge, or you can 
or you can use one of them to drop in coverage and you really don't miss much. I think those two in general, like Florida had a very hard time blocking them. Uh, specifically in the run game, they were they were stacking, shedding, getting off blocks, and making tackles. Uh, that's a pretty big damn deal um, for those two. And I think they're going to make a world of difference out there together. They're going to be hard for offenses to deal with. The, the big thing that stood out for me was a concern entering this game that Kentucky football fans have had for an eternity, and that's the running quarterback. And it wasn't that, just, that, that, People need to put that to bed. That has yeah. not been an issue in three years. You know why it's not an issue? Because Kentucky's got good players on defense. It didn't always have a lot of good players on defense. So, like, people need to put that to bed. That, that's not an issue anymore. And it, and it wasn't just the athleticism that Wright and Weaver had on contain. Kentucky forced Anthony Richardson to throw the ball with a natural pass rush. Like, there was some real discipline in there. And it didn't always translate into sacks. Um, I know there was one play in particular where Ox was, I mean, yeah. a half, not even a half step. Yeah, he did a good job of beating out. this guy there. Yeah, that was a nice rep by him. I mean, but, but like, in general, is a very disciplined group with talented edge rushers who, you know what, they might not get all SEC recognition, but if they keep playing the way they do, they're going to have to. Yeah. And there's something about Jordan Wright, too, that I don't know. I don't know where he ultimately ends up fitting in as an NFL prospect or whatever it might be. But that dude's just got it, right? Like, I can't yeah. – you can't quantify it, but that dude has got it. He has – you usually use that he's got a nose for the ball for a guy like Mike Edwards, a safety, some dude who's picking off passes. But when Jordan Wright's on the field, like, the game can turn upside down at any moment, and that is such a valuable asset for this Kentucky defense that was desperately needing playmakers a year ago. Yeah, and for me, it's not even, like, traditionally in that position, it's all about pass rush production. But for me, it's the value they bring as run defenders and the value they bring as um, pass defenders. Too. They, they can drop in coverage and make plays. They can spy a quarterback. You know, we saw it with Jordan Wright. Just the versatility they bring Brad White to this defense in. He can play big without giving up athleticism. And that's just that you can have your cake and eat it too there as a defensive coordinator. And that's a big deal. For me, I think we all entered the season knowing they had a really high floor on defense. I felt pretty good about them being at least a good defense. Through eight quarters, I think the ceiling has raised. What they did against Florida was just – pretty insane and then you look at some of the depth they have and if they're getting play and ball production from the cornerback position which we all thought was the biggest weakness it just it changes a lot of things and it you're looking at it as like this could be the best defense since 2018 like maybe this group has a chance to be a legit top 15 defense in college football and that's a little bit of a game changer especially if the offense um, finds an extra gear here in the next few weeks then you've got a you know a team rolling downhill that's going to be tough for team foes to deal with on both sides of the football. It's uh, it's great to see that Kentucky does have a defense that like they talked about it in the preseason like it and the what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like Brad White is not a PT Barnum. You know, so like I took him seriously, but I just didn't know how it would come to form because as you put it, you usually expect to see it come in the form of sacks, right? Tackles for loss. And that's that's not necessarily the case. But 
I mean, how many third downs? They were four of 13, I want to say. How many of those were manageable third down situations? Yeah, you know, Florida was a combined five of 19 on third and fourth down. And, and like, how many – I think the one slant they threw to Carrington Valentine was maybe uh, Aver- fourth Average down. distance of seven yards. They had five third and long – they had five third and longs and nine-plus yards next, so – of the 16 third downs, 12 of them uh, were in manageable distances. Yeah. So that's because I mean, Kentucky got after him, right? And this is this is also, I think, a defense that's built to last. Um, and we only got a small snippet of some of the underclassmen guys. And what's really great, Lucky, is that you can kind of afford to – like DeAndre Square – and Jacquez Jones, like they don't have to play a ton of reps next game, right? Like that's why you have all. You got to be young. careful when you do that, right? Yeah, I know we want to do that, but we've tried to do that in the past with Stoops, and they come out here and mess with their food. So that's really the worry for me is can they finally put a team like this away early? That's what they've really struggled to do. But I, but I think even in a normal like, I mean, against South Carolina, I don't think. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they're gonna I mean, make fifty snaps. You know what I mean? Like uh, Trevin Wallace only played a dozen. Alex Safari, after playing 40 or something in week one, only played 12. You know, yeah. like a lot of guys that are going to play more didn't this game. Kentucky kind of pushed all their chips in. And that you can regularly rotate guys in once as they start getting more experience and you can alleviate some of those death problems. Mm-hmm. I know that depth issues are always going to be an issue in the Southeastern Conference. Injuries happen. It's the cost of doing business. But – we saw Kentucky's even at their best when they're playing a ton of guys, but the younger guys are going to start playing more and more. And they they may not have the football IQ, but they are pretty damn talented. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the defense. Like we've really talked about edge and secondary and linebacker so far, but the biggest reason to buy stock in this team having long term success this year is the defensive front, the three down, how they can rotate bodies, stay fresh. We like that. On Saturday, that was a defensive line I thought we were going to see this year. Um, I think they all played well. They all did their jobs. They all played within the structure of the defense, and they made life really hard. And they let some of their, and they let and their play allowed their edge guys and their linebackers to hunt, to hunt and go make plays. I just thought that group was really good. They were stout inside against the run. They provided some pressures. I think Trayvon Ripka and Ox like flashed a little bit as pass rushers. Deion Walker at the end, that was just like an all-time – like that's what he is. That's what he's going to be here. He's going to be an absolute run-stuffer extraordinaire once he learns to play football. Like if you're going to if you're gonna single him up, your ass is going to get chewed up. Like that's what Deion Walker is long-term. Um, so that was fun. That was fun to see. Like you could see that on that on that rep. That, so he, he's only going to keep getting better. Um, like Josiah Hayes is a like they're bringing him and Ripka off the bench. Like those guys can play. Khalil Saunders can really play. They're bringing him off the bench, and they're young. Like all these guys are young too. Yeah, no one's no one's older than a junior. Um, so you got to think that there's a lot of room for upward growth with this unit. So that 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 is a lot to get you excited, and they make stuff so much. They're gonna make that group is gonna make stuff easier for the other eight defenders on the field, and so that's very exciting. Florida was a team that pushed around Utah, Nick. Pushed them around. And Utah is known for their physicality in the trenches. 
And Kentucky went in there and kicked their ass. Their defensive front kicked their ass. They got a they've got a top fifty pick at right guard. Didn't make a difference. They went in there and kicked their ass. So that is that's that's very exciting because this defensive front on the line is only going to get better. Mm-hmm. And all the hype and when all those players signed on twenty twenty, and then you roll it, you stack talent behind them. You saw it there on Saturday. That is the standard now. That is what you want to see every weekend, um, and that's exciting going forward. Standard is the standard. Let's let's turn our attention back to <laughs> who said that. <laughs> Said that last year. Standard is a standard. Mike Tomlin, he says it all the time. My coach, no, my winning football coach. No. You chose to put some respect on Mike Tomlin's name, like it, and take your L like well, a champ. If Kirk Ferentz retires, they should just hire Tomlin because they would probably win games the same way. Just turnovers, special teams. Let the other team run ninety plays on offense, but still find a way to win a game. A quick sidetrack: the, the 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 Kirk Ferentz, and I mean. What did you expect was going to happen, Iowa fans? Like, they act like they're surprised. I don't think they're. It? I don't think they're that. I think that he did it so it's just like they're coming after his ass because he he did what he did. Like everybody knew they had to change. You know, you got fortunate that you won ten ball games last year because your offense stunk up the joint every week, and he, he refused to change, and it's gotten worse. Yeah, big surprise, right? Yeah, like, shocker. Yeah. Oh man, it's so bad. Uh, love the cameos; those were uh, was funny comedy, especially when Bob Stoops the line about breaking away from the family business. I lost it. Um, Iowa football never changed. Glad Kentucky has helped um, speed up this downward spiral. Because um, I mean, man, even Bobby Petrino can't believe the nepotism that Kirk's using for Brian. I mean, yikes! <laughs> so bad, um, but. Good offense. You can find some of that at the University of Kentucky. It wasn't always pretty, look it. Um, but we did get kind of a tale of two halves, right? Where Yeah, absolutely. The first half, it was a big play um, and, and, and actually some some effect, efficient passing um, when you got the protection, but you never got the protection. Second half, uh, Will Levis wasn't – he, he got out of the zone, right? He got out of his rhythm, but Kentucky was able to lean on that offensive line and move the chains. And as, as Scangarello said, we wore him down. And a lot of people, myself included, weren't sure if they could wear him down. And that, that was really the key. You knew old Kentucky could wear down that Florida defense. You weren't sure about this new Kentucky. Um, but credit to the offensive line, particularly Kenneth Torsey, who did not bat an eye in his first start at left tackle. They, they, they found something in that second half. Cavassier Smoke uh, did what Cavassier Smoke needed to do, and Kentucky was able to grind away a win. Look at how excited are you for the potential in this Kentucky offense after what we saw down in Gainesville? For me, all these next few weeks are just like what happened in that second half of the offensive line. Is it kind of a stick? Does it stick? Or was it Florida getting fatigued? Um, so that's really. Uh, what I'll be looking for over these next two weeks. Now I do think like this group just needed some good stuff to happen for them up front. So yeah. I think confidence is going to be big here, especially going against some inferior um, teams here in the next two weeks uh, and that they've settled on their five. So I think that's going to be big here. And we'd also like to see, you know, over these next two weeks, you'd like to see John Young get some rep- reps at guard, see what his he looks like. Mm-hmm. You would like to see Keontae Goodwin get some reps at tackle. 
Yep. I would also like to see David Wollaball back out there at right tackle just to see what he looks like, if he's kind of grown at all. I think that's going to be important uh, moving forward. Uh, in the run game, I, I do have to give a shout-out to Claude Sage Smoke. Um, it's been a victory lap for my wife, Taylor, um, in the Luckett House. She is a big Cavassier Smoke fan, fan from Watunka, Alabama, Mr. Smoke, mm-hmm. as she calls him in our house. Um, big fan of Mr. Smoke, and he had an awesome game. Uh, yep. they, we've talked about his efficiency. You don't really get that with Smoke. It's all about can he provide the chunk plays. He gave them to him on Saturday. Four runs to 10-plus yards in the second half, and they, they were huge um, to help extend drives and really kind of – for Kentucky in that game, it, a lot of it became just – ball control, eating clock, and protecting the defense. I mean, it was a Mark Stoop special. Um, like, even with an NFL quarterback, he's not putting the damn thing through the air. Like, they're going to they're gonna ground and pound it out and kick field goals and win the game. Um, Smoke was a big part of that, extending drives and had some big runs um, on some scoring drives for them, uh, specifically the field goal to tie the game up at 16-16. Um, and then he had that 20-yard run on the missed field goal possession, and then he had the third and three run where he grinded, you know, they moved the pile. There on the, the Ruffalo field goal drive. So big game from Classic Smoke. That was really cool for that kid. You know, Richard Senior stuck around. We didn't know what would happen with him this year, and he kind of had a cool moment there in the swamp. He really did. Um, and he's also earned the right to still take a good chunk of reps when Chris Rodriguez returns for that Ole Miss game. We got that news this week. That's very exciting. Yeah, I think – Watching the game, you, to me, you could tell that was Lavelle Wright's first like big game. Yeah, yeah, especially you know, that um, the the pass the, pro, the he pass pro especially. Well, yeah. there was the one with Brent Cox is just tough, but there was another one he missed. Um, and Rich Gangarello talked about in the press conference. They had Bates up the seam. If if Wright gets a block, it's probably it might have been a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So that hurt, and then some of his runs, I think. He, he, I bet he thinks he could have done better when he watched the tape. So you guys, I think you could just tell that what was his first um, big game. So that, yeah. so just getting like Rodriguez is going to be nice. We could have a one-two combo with him and Smoke. Um, but but Wright's got some chance to improve here because he's got he's going to get some more reps these next two yeah. weeks. So that yeah. he's You're another right. player I think to watch closely here over these next two games. But yeah, also, great news about, getting Rodriguez back. How about Tavion Robinson getting more carries than receptions? I mean, yeah, who's had that Max, on the car coming in? Max dropped that line on Friday, and it was like, well, will they really use they it? Really need, need them, him though? And you know what? He wasn't bad. Um, it was primarily in sweeps. You could tell they really thought they had an advantage on the edge. They used the tight ends quite a bit, not only in the pass game, but blocking in the second half as well. Yeah. And I, I know Florida it was game, very aggressive with their front, too, shooting gaps. Yeah, looking the camp like they were more aggressive than I thought they would be. I just, I, I wonder what it would have looked like if, like, if you have Chris Rodriguez, you're probably more likely to take shots in the passing game in the second half. And I know that sounds counterintuitive because Chris is a steamrolling meatball, but you he can erase some of mis- those mistakes if you. Well, he can get you in second and twos. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know that some of those shots were there and you even like after the game, Stoops, Rich, I think they all kind of like, man, we think we had him, but you can't afford to to take a sack after 
so many drives were just crushed by them in the first half. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really like – I think for, if you – 10,000 feet perspective, one thing I was unsure of but confident in is what Rich Scangarello would be like as a play caller. Um, like what, what are we going to get from him, right? Uh, because the last time he called plays, it was for the Broncos. He was kind of handcuffed there. Uh, and he, he had injuries. Like he, it was a real big mess, and he just was became the scapegoat. So I didn't know what we would get, but there was a couple times, particularly in those play passes in the first half, those yeah, he, tight ends. The he timing. Did. He was he was in a good groove, and I, I really liked what I saw from him as a play caller. He's looked good to me, and he's had to scheme around some offensive line inefficiencies. Uh, some of the stuff they're doing in the ground game, trying to get the ball in the perimeter. They run in that crack toss where they pull the tackle and tight end around. They ran some inside zone. Uh, they ran some. They ran a lot of some, a lot of counter, a lot of power. Um, so they're trying to do some different things to figure out their offensive line issues. Um, but they're also throwing wide zone out there. I mean, that's a big part of their boot game. It's kind of that wide zone look. Um, so he's, I, I like what he's trying. And you know, I think the Tavian Robinson thing shows a little bit of creativity, just giving the defense some different looks. Um, to go back, I, I want to touch on the offensive line here, right quick. I thought Horsey was pretty good at left tackle. You didn't notice him out there. Mm-hmm. I thought him and Jagger Burton kind of worked well together. Um, Jagger's still learning. On the right side, Jeremy Flax was good when he wasn't on the ground, but he was on the ground a lot. You know, everybody yeah. knows that what the first play when Cox knocked him backwards. Backwards, there was a lot of a lot more where he's just even in mostly in like the run game where he's just falling down. When he wasn't on the ground, he made, he played well. And then Tayshawn Manning, I thought, as a puller, did some good things in some of their power and counter gap scheme runs. So I think it's a good step forward. And I love the Drake Jackson tweet after the game. Oh, did not see that tweet. He's talking about John Schlarman here. Um, And he said he would like – he knows that John Schlarman is upstairs, like, smiling or happy. um, How that – how the offensive line, like, had a rough outing and figured it out and kind of helped Kentucky win the game there in the second half. And he said, "Credit to Zach Yenzer uh, for you know keeping this guys believing, keeping them checked in and tuned in. I, that it feels like a potential moment mm-hmm. that, that could be a, a turning point for this group." Here's a tweet right here. Let's go. I know Coach Slarman is upstairs, proud of how the OL finished that game. These guys don't quit. Congratulations to Coach Stoops. Couldn't be happier to be a Wildcat. Coach Yenzer kept the guys up front going and never let them quit. Because it could have been. I mean, especially it just, when- if. It feels like a turning point, right? Like it yeah, feels like yeah. we figured some stuff out here. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it feels that way because you got on Twitter during the game, Nick, and it was all every all anybody wanted to talk about was how bad Kentucky's offensive line was in the first half. And especially um, and then, how and then how you look at the fourth quarter and they're running were, the ball, right? Like they were bad mistakes that resulted in disaster. But a lot of them weren't even like outside of Flax just falling down, a lot of them weren't physical mismatches, I felt like. It was, a lot of it's just like communication and mm-hmm. getting on the same page. It looks like a unit that's never played together. Um, and you got a center, a brand-new center, and you just got a lot of moving parts. So now you're starting to play a couple games. Now you're starting to get your feet under you a little bit. Um, and that, I think that at the end that could do a lot for their confidence, especially that run at the end with Smoke. Where they move the pile, I mean, that's like an offensive lineman's dream. That can yeah. do a lot. it can just do a lot for their confidence. Yeah, and so that 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 to me over the next two games, that's really what I'm looking for how the offensive line 
looks. Another thing, protection was really good, I thought, for, for, for the most part, for Levis in the second half. They kept mm-hmm. him clean for the most part. And when they needed to go deep in the first half, they kept him clean on the deep shot to key. So some good things from the offensive line. They That group has really struggled the first six quarters. Um, but it was they needed something positive to happen and something did, and let's see if they can build off that. Let's see. Let's see what they do next. Um, I apologize to our viewers on YouTube if I keep yawning. I met like I didn't get my midday coffee um, before taping, lucky. And I, I've caught up on most of my sleep, but there wasn't. A, I bet I slept collectively like eight, nine hours in Gainesville. So we've been playing a little catch up at the Roush House, uh, but we're excited, and I'm also excited to to turn the page to a new leaf, if you will into week three the cats got youngstown state on saturday before we talk a little bit more about the fighting penguins 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 i gotta tell you man really need that coffee gotta tell you about our friends at my bookie lucky i know we got our first little teaser of thursday night football last week but it wasn't it wasn't amazon prime we get kirk and al on thursdays it's going to be different i keep forgetting about that I'm, I'm I'm fired up, though. Chargers versus Chiefs. Both teams look great. And now you can add into the action by adding some excitement with our friends at MyBookie. They give you the most money for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick and easy. A $250 deposit that will put $500 in your account instantly. Use your funds to bet on as many games and contest props as you want. Claim your bonus. Register today. Use the promo code PERSONNEL designed to add more excitement to the games and sports you love. That's promo code PERSONNEL, P-E-R-S-O-N-N-E-L, to double your money up to a 1000 bucks with my bookie. It's only week two of the NFL season, which means there's still plenty of time to get in on the action. Don't miss out. Begin your winning season today exclusively on my bookie, whether it's pro, whether it's college. I like it. I know I got... I got my swagger back a little bit back on uh, pick three, feeling good, except for UCF. So we're getting back there. Uh, this week three slate of games isn't as uh, – I don't think we're going to have any Texas-Alabamas uh, out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially uh, – law of averages says it's going to calm down a little bit after would, last week. I would, I would but you never so. know. Man – how tasty is Mississippi State as a two and a half point favorite in Death Valley? Yeah, but you get L- you don't get LSU as a home dog very often. Again, and yeah. it's against a home dog against a team that was less talented than them. Man, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, but um, I'm, I might have to just keep betting Iowa unders too. Like, does, uh, does South Carolina and Georgia's touchdown streak on defense? Uh, has not given up a touchdown, I want to say, in the last 10 quarters. Because I don't know if Alabama scored a touchdown on them in the second half of that championship game. I'd have to go back and look. But it's been at least eight quarters, no touchdowns. Yeah, I think they get one. Big play. Yeah, I mean, I they, so. they, they, they've got, what's his name, Vance? Um, or Van, excuse me. Well, there's kind of a controversy at South Carolina because Josh Van isn't getting the ball. What the hell are you doing, Spencer Rattler? Throw him the so, damn ball. Let me see. I'm going to pull up. Huh, what's going on here? Um, yeah, there's a there's been some weird things with South Carolina because the I guess Rattler's ball distribution. Yeah, Josh Van has one catch through two games, Nick. One catch Whoa. for nine yards. 
Um, Jaheim Bell, who is this guy they talked up all offseason, is kind of this um, – they called him, you know, kind of a wide back and tight end. He has four receptions for 18 yards. So, like, the two names on their team haven't really um, done much. And Radler has been very target-heavy to Antoine Wells Jr., the James Madison transfer. Um, he's had a monster year so far, 15 for 244, one touchdown. But ball's not really getting distributed very much, so – South Carolina people are a little freaking out a little bit. Oh, speaking of freaking out, um, the Auburn live message board today was on fire, just in yeah. fuego. Uh, after two weeks, they they beat FCS Mercer to open the season. They were terrible against San Jose State. I think they were even losing at one point. They've played two quarterbacks who have thrown a combined one touchdown and four interceptions, none to the wide receivers. Uh, pretty easy reason for Carmelo English to decommit. Like if there was a receiver that Kentucky they, they invested quite heavily early on. Uh, he was he's on in there in the spring for an unofficial he took an official in June. Felt like the cats were in a good spot, but the proximity to Auburn, he's from only about 45 minutes away, Phoenix yeah. City in Alabama. So he he visited Auburn a lot. They pushed him to commit early. Oh I you it's it's plain to see why. Um Pun intended. Suck it, Auburn fans. I, I think, you know, Kentucky is still going to have to fight with some big dogs in this recruitment, but it just makes me happy that a guy that they've been in on for a long time was not committed for very long at all to Auburn. Maybe two, ten weeks, something like that? Yeah, it was over, like, July, was after, July 4th weekend. Yeah, right after that. Uh, so, not not for long. Um, he's back on the board. Um, another guy, UK, by the way, fascinating. That's now that's an anxiety game Saturday for Auburn. Yeah. It, it would have been a real anxiety game if Purdue would have held on week one against Penn state. That would, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, like so you that's, can't lo- yeah, you can't lose at home to a team that Purdue also beat at home. Right. Yeah. Um, so that is why, we'll yeah, that, that is a, Big game for I think both teams. Um, for Penn State, it just will be another like nice early win. Get them some, get a young talented roster, some confidence. For Auburn, they just need like Harson just needs a win. Um, they've got State, a chance here to get off to a big start because they they go Penn State, Auburn, LSU all at home after this. Or Penn State, Missouri, LSU all at home, and they could be favorites in all those games or, or close favorites or close underdog. It's all three winnable games. Auburn, he feel like he needs to go at least two and one in those matchups, and so this is a big game for Brian. There, there's there's a lot of games out there this week, like it that I look at and I'm like that line's right. You know, Penn State minus three. Um, yeah, uh, John Summerall's a twelve and a half point dog at App State, but you, you worry that one couldn't end up getting out of hand. Um, I the one that I'm I'm going to keep my eyes close on. I could be cashing a win ticket this weekend, like it. Vandy at Northern Illinois, yeah. right? Get a little scouting preview to UK opponents. That that's a that's a fascinating that's a fascinating matchup. Um, so yeah, let's let's have ourselves some fun this weekend. Kentucky gets the noon slate uh, against Youngstown State on the SEC Network, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, um, you get to have some fun early on. Go watch some other games afterwards. Um, this is a game like it where like we really just want Kentucky to go out and and put up some points early because 
we're in a rare spot where Mark Stoops is kind of, we get kind of an extended celebration, not only because of the win to pass Bear Bryant, you did it against Florida, but now he's playing his hometown team. And Vince Merrill said there's going to be 300 people uh, and their family <laughs> and friends that are going to be there. Like yeah. they're preparing to have a real throwdown Saturday night. So go out, just take care of business. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm saying stuff that everybody knows, but this one even more so. Let's let's pad the stats a little. Let's get these young receivers involved. You know, you saw Dekel Crowdis out there on, on the two deep. Chris Lewis moved around. Uh, Mark Stoops alluded to it on Monday, and that they, they, they like the receivers they have that are kind of buried in the depth chart right now. They want to get them reps. This is your opportunity to go out there and let them show what they can do on a big stage. Yeah, yeah, it's that, absolutely that kind of game. I think you're making redshirt decisions over these next two weeks for some players. And so it's big game for some of these youngsters. Um, specifically, like, Dekel Kralis and Chris Lewis are two, right? You're two of the program. Yeah. They both redshirted last year. Another guy in their class is already making plays, Chauncey Magwood, um, who's absolutely carved out a role in the offense. And so they are kind of – they're behind a little bit when you think about Barry and Brown, Dan Keeve, maybe already passed them up. You got Shamar Porter coming in. It's in the next class, and he's an absolute dude. Um, so this is a big moment, I think, for both of these guys over the next two weeks um, to maybe kind of shine and earn some more snaps. So those those are two, two guys, I think, to absolutely keep an eye on. On defense, Kentucky's not very deep at corner, so you kind of want to see what Maxwell Harrison has. Yeah. Get him out there and see what see what he can provide provide the defense. Um, Keaton Wade, going to see more of him. Kentucky doesn't have very much depth at edge. Um, so getting him out there and getting him some reps. It's also a game where, Nick, you know, DeAndre Square has had a hard time staying 100% or close to 100% throughout seasons. He gets pretty banged up. It would be a good game for Derek Jackson and Trevor Wallace to play a lot of snaps. Just yeah. keep, keep him fresh. Uh, and then – Defensive line rotation, just using that as much as you can, I think, this week is important. And then offensive line, if you could get – you know, really, I, I worry less about that because these guys just need to play together, this group. Yeah, yeah. But it, it would also be nice if you could get Keontae Goodwin some burn, John Young some burn, David Wallaball some burn in a non-pressure situation right? Uh, just to get them some work as well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those where you hopefully are seeing a lot of numbers you're not accustomed to seeing out there on the Kentucky football field. Uh, look, I have admittedly not done my deep dive research into the Penguins. Um, I know that they have like home field. This is the perfect home field game. Like Youngstown's apparel is top notch. Uh, cool. But they're logo. Gonna, they're they're a, they're a decent football team, ranked eighth. 18th, excuse me, in FCS by SP Plus, but this is their first big boy game in the season. Well, are they are they going to try to attack via the air rocket? What, what, tell me some things I need to know, other than that Bryce Oliver is going to be suiting up for the opposing team, the former UK receiver. who yeah. He caught a couple passes for, for Lynn Bowden in 19, but the South Florida kid did not do much, played some last year for him. What, what, what else do you know about Youngstown State? Doug Phillips is our head coach, longtime Ohio State staffer, was on Luke Fickle Cincinnati staff. He's got ties to Jim Trestle. Jim Trestle's the president at Youngstown State. If you remember, there was Vince Merrill, one of the job there for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Didn't get it. They chose Phillips. First two years were rough for him. Uh, they really struggled. I believe he's four and thirteen entering the year. After two wins, he's six and thirteen. They had two impressive double-digit wins over Duquesne and Dayton, uh, but Duquesne and Duquesne and Dayton aren't real threats in the FCS. Offensively, their running game has had been pretty good. They have an All-American tailback back. Let me pull up his name right quick here. Jaleel McLaughlin is a super senior. He's a former Division II transfer. He ran for 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. Through two games, he's rushed for 332 yards, four touchdowns, averaging over 10 yards per rush. Um, they're scoring 40 points per game. They've really kind of hammered the two defenses they've seen. At quarterback, they have a dual threat. Um, guy, uh, so he's he's had low completion rates throughout his career, but he was a freshman of the year. Demiatric Crenshaw is his name um, last year in the Missouri Valley, um, but he's been able to hit on some big plays. Um, he threw for five touchdowns, I believe, last week against mm. Dayton, um, and his number one target is Bryce Oliver. Last year, Oliver had 24 receptions for 260 yards, but he was a huge red zone threat. Eight touchdown grabs last year, but he seems to have leveled up this season, Nick. He's got 10 receptions for 121 yards through two games with two scores. Um, He's emerging as one of the better wide receivers in the FCS as of right now. And the big question with Youngstown State, and the reason when I did some preseason research on them, I wasn't super worried about them, was because their defensive numbers last year were flat-out awful. They might have had the worst defense in the FCS. They were dead last place in yards per play allowed, dead last place in yards per rush allowed, in the hundreds in yards per attempt allowed passing, in the hundreds in scoring defense. Now they've made a change. Jamal Brown comes over from Division II, Lenore Ryan, and his defense has played admirably um, through two games. They're averaging nine – they've got 18 total tackles for loss, so they're averaging nine tackles for loss per game. And saying they've only given up four yards per play um, through eight quarters this season. And teams are averaging less than two yards per rush against them. So they Mm. fixed something here. I still have to dig into the tape a little bit on them. uh, But they're probably going to, I would assume, play similar to Miami, Ohio, and Florida and try to slant and move up front and and fill gaps with numbers and try to take away the run game from Kentucky. So – they're a team, I think, coming in here with a lot of confidence. Phillips, for an FCS level, has recruited very, very well. So they've got talent uh, for that level of ball. Um, Tayshawn Trent, I'm not sure if people are familiar. He's a recruiting name from Detroit. Was kind of a borderline four-star receiver. Kentucky, Michigan State looked like a big threat. He ended up at Youngstown State. He's a true freshman. So they've got, they've got some players on this team. Um, and I think they're going to come in here, obviously, with a lot of confidence because they played some good ball to this point. Um, they were pretty young, took their lumps last year, but they return a lot. And then they have a dude at tailback that they're going to ride. And then on defense, they're going to come after Kentucky because they turn on the tape and they see a team that can't really run the ball. And so how does Kentucky match that? And can Kentucky match their, this team's intensity coming in the game? It's going to be what probably – Tells us if we're at halftime and it's kind of close, or if Kentucky sees control of the game late, or sees control of the game early, I should say. And that—that's my big thing. Look, it—it's just starting with that intensity, and because last year in this FCS game, Kentucky kind of came out sleepwalking, well, right? Well, they 
the worst thing probably happened was they scored on that first drive, Kentucky. They go down, they score. Um, they didn't really get the ball to Rodriguez. They kind of just – they got smoked some touches. They got Ali some touches. You could tell Cohen wanted to get his other guys involved, and they hoped mm-hmm. to take over. Um, and then, shockingly, Kentucky gives up a big play on an inside zone run, which they never do. Um, and then they just – they found themselves in kind of a fist fight. Now, the only thing about that game was Chattanooga had – Bad assets on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. yeah. And so they caught themselves kind of – they got in in a street fight with guys they didn't want to get in a street fight against at that time of the year. Um, So mentally they weren't really ready for it, and that kind of – that's what made that game what it was. This year, I I don't – Youngstown State is not that. Kentucky should should have the advantage in in the line of scrimmage, but we thought that in the Miami-Ohio game, and either the offensive line or the defensive line played all that great. Now they bounced back and did, did good things against Florida, but we got to see them put put it together another week. And so that that is the big difference, I think, from that from that Chattanooga. Chattanooga was it it was a very bad matchup because their defense was so good, um, and Kentucky did like came out with a bad game plan. It was one of Cohen's probably one of his only bad game plans, I think, last year. And then they got kind of caught in a fist fight with a team he didn't want to get in a fist fight against. Yeah. Well, and. As he would have told you, too, after the game, he would admit to having one of his worst game plans to date as well. Um, but if Kentucky brings the intensity, like you said, particularly in the trenches early on, could be a fun day at Kroger Field. Yeah, and explosiveness, hitting big plays would be huge here. Just give you some breathing room. I think the dang key touchdown changed the game at Florida. It changed how Florida had to defend them. Uh, they were like, all right, they can go over the top. We got to – Maybe not – we can't commit as many numbers against the run. Um, against Miami, Ohio, it, it opened a lot, a lot of things up because Kentucky was able to get out on the boots and hit some big plays. Um, so against Youngstown State, a team you're going to have a speed advantage over, I think that's going to be big, hitting on some passes and getting some big chunk plays. Well, it's been a, it's been a joy to kind of revel in this Kentucky victory over Florida. Week three – FCS coming to town. Let's take care of business. Let's make it a fun, stress-free Saturday. That's all we need. We need a stress-free Saturday. For folks listening and watching at home, we need you to subscribe to the KSR YouTube channel. Smash that subscribe. Like. Do all that good stuff. And a big thanks to our friends at Eckridge and MyBookie. That's promo code PERSONNEL to double your deposit. Lucky, do you have any parting thoughts before we get out of here? Will Levis was really good in that game Saturday. The box score wasn't great. Uh, I think he really controlled that game. Um, I think he rose to the moment and played well. He missed some throws. There's some stuff he wants to have back. But overall, I thought he showed good mental makeup early in the game, keeping his team locked in. He made a big throw to Key. That was one of those best throws he's had at Kentucky. And then just kept, just kept Kentucky level-headed and – you saw everything you wanted to see from him. And I think overall, just the season, we all know what the goal is. It's to get <laughs> it's to play Georgia for Atlanta. And yeah. that was a big step in the right direction. And good Gator tears when the Gators think they're good are the best tears. And yeah. so to see like to to do that there in that house in front of a sold out crowd, like for any Kentucky fan like that grew up when we grew up, Nick, or even people a little bit older than us, uh, where you had to listen mm-hmm. to the spring. Well, they had a good punter. 
Now you now you could leave the Florida game. Well, the, the quarterback sucked, but Florida's punter was really good. Now you can say that like that and going down there and beat and beating them the way Kentucky beat them. That's it's pretty damn sweet. Not much not much going to be sweeter than that. And then to celebrate in those stands and to be able to witness that for me was pretty cool. It feels so good. So good. I, I've, I've got back-to-back wins down the swamp. I've been to 33% of Kentucky's <laughs> wins down there. So we're rolling a heater. We got some momentum. Need the offensive line to continue that momentum Saturday against Youngstown yeah. State. Just Nick, pulverizing, you, you, steamrolling. You want to call Kentucky soft right now so we can make sure they, they avoid the hangover this week? You know what? I, I, I don't think we need that bulletin <laughs> board material for Youngstown State. I think Stoops will have them ready to go. Because here's the other thing, too, like it that factors in this game. They know how much this game means to all the Youngstown guys. It might not to them, but they're gonna put they're they're gonna add that juice to make sure that they yeah. get a big the, win for Stoops. The sneaky one is next week, you would think. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, against so. a good Mac team. But hold on, you asked me before the show. Kentucky, three and a five, eight, three and five ATS, five and oh, eight and oh straight up under Mark Stoops. He has FCS opponents. Mm, three and five. EKU yeah. has most of those covers. <laughs> they have two of them, and they almost beat Kentucky. Really, the only two games that were close here, Nick, were that EKU game in 2015 and the Chattanooga game last year. EKU in 2017 hung with Kentucky, but Kentucky pulled away in the fourth quarter, whereas Chattanooga in the 2015 EKU game um, were pretty close. Other than that, Kentucky's kind of handled their business here. Well, the to, overtime, but in, Go ahead. The overtime EKU game. Yeah, yeah 2015. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then two and four ATS under Mark Stoops in the regular season or in the season after a ranked win. Good to know. Good to know. Keep that in mind when wagering responsibly, of course, with our friends at MyBookie. Promo code personnel. Expect the line to come out on that Thursday or Friday. They're a lot more late on these FCS games. Um, and once again, thanks for y'all for tuning in, whether it's Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever it may be. Subscribe, like us. Uh, wherever you go. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Rouse. This has been 11 Personnel.